I think we all need to tone down some. Take a look inside. You know, how are you really doing? And we think, God, I got all these different things. It's negative, 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 negative. What can you do to be better? You can call the 1-800-273-TALK line. See about assistance. You can go online and find some cool stuff. Don't be afraid to seek out therapy. I didn't do this for decades, and it hurt me a lot. I found myself going to work and functioning fine. But at home, many days, I wouldn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to wash my clothes, walk the dog, see my boys. I didn't want to do anything. Don't be afraid to go out and seek some help. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Kevin Briggs, founder and CEO of Pivotal Points. Kevin Briggs is a retired California Highway Patrol Sergeant who spent many years patrolling the Golden Gate Bridge. While on patrol, he encountered numerous individuals clinging to life by a thread, individuals who had lost hope and could see no way out of their current situation ready to jump off the bridge to what they assumed was a sudden death and ending of their pain and hopelessness. One of those people Officer Briggs saved was Kevin Berthia, also a guest on the Midland Money Mindset and friend of the show. Briggs, through his compassion, gentle voice, eye contact, and his innate ability of listening to understand, encouraged more than 200 individuals over his career to not end their life, but to begin a new chapter. These challenging but rewarding efforts earned him the nickname Guardian of the Golden Gate. Upon retirement from the Highway Patrol, Briggs retired to dedicate his life to promote mental health awareness across the globe through Pivotal Points, the organization he founded. Today, Briggs is mapping a movement as he speaks and trains others in suicide prevention, de-escalation, and negotiations. He shares his listening to understand skills followed up with key active listening points and discusses in depth his own personal mental health struggles. Kevin spends the majority of his time speaking and teaching at conferences, community events, and seminars worldwide. His first book, Guardian of the Golden Gate, Protecting the Line Between Hope and Despair, was released in 2015, and he now has a series of wellness books too. Listen in for some great takeaways about Kevin's journey, how he listens to understand, and the impact he's having on the world as a result. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of being with Kevin Briggs, founder and CEO of Pivotal Points. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. Absolutely. My pleasure, sir. Happy to be here. Yeah, I think I saw you many years ago. I think the last time I saw you live and in person was at AFSP Lifesavers Gala when you were reunited with Kevin Berthia, right? Right. What a great (laughs) time that was. Yeah. I know about you and I know your backstory, but I want to share with everyone who you are and your path. How did you get to where you are today in terms of being the founder and CEO of Pivotal Points, just to give listeners a little background on you? 
Sure, just a portion of this. I was with the California Highway Patrol for 23 years, and a lot of those years were spent working on the Golden Gate Bridge, which was a wonderful place to work. A lot of fun, but it also has this very dark side to it. It's the number one spot in the United States for loss of life to suicide. So I didn't know this, and I had crossed that bridge hundreds of times before I went on with the Highway Patrol. But I began working with those folks who were suicidal, actively suicidal on the Golden Gate Bridge, whether that's in the parking lots, on the sidewalks, over the pedestrian rail. So I averaged four to six cases a month doing this for about 10 years. And it was very, very tough. You know, it's brutal to talk to someone in crisis, ready to jump. How do we give them hope? What do we say? What do we not say? So I had no training going into this. But I learned as I went and finally went through some couple of different courses And that's what I do now. I retired early from the Highway Patrol and started this organization, Pivotal Points, where I go out and I do presentations and talk to folks about how can they help? How can we all help to reduce the suicides in this country? And what and who are the focus of Pivotal Points? What's good opportunity for you and the organization? What does that look like? I go out and I've presented to working with the FBI, still do, Secret Service, military bases, community groups, schools, colleges, whether that, you know, a huge institution or a very, very small one. I've been to the extreme outback of Australia, speaking with construction workers. They brought me over there because construction workers have such a high rate of suicide. So it really doesn't matter. Suicide affects everybody, every walk of life, poor, rich. It doesn't matter. You know, we're losing over 45,000 people a year most years to suicide. Our listeners know my background. I lost my brother-in-law to suicide. I've been involved with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for about 16 years now. So this topic and suicide prevention and mental health is near and dear to my heart. And I commend you for everything you've done to help reduce stigma, help prevent and save lives. It's really amazing. I learned of your story when AFSP brought you and, as I mentioned earlier, Kevin Berthia, who you saved, and they brought you together for the first time. And one of the things I've heard you say is you refer to Kevin Berthia as hope and courage. And it seems this particular save, and you've been involved in others, actually has transformed both your lives. How has your relationship with Kevin and the media received during this interaction? How has that changed your life? Uh, It has dramatically changed my life. It set me on a whole new career path. I actually retired from the California Highway Patrol early, just at age 50, to start this organization. And I've been in government service all my life. So to come out and have my own business and to do this sort of thing, to come out and present, it's a whole different way of life now. You have to do everything that I do. I mostly do myself. I have some people helping me. But I tell folks, I'm not a presenter. You put yourself in uncomfortable positions to grow. Well, that's what this is. I'm putting myself in a very uncomfortable position to be on stage in front of anywhere from 10 people to 1,400 people out in Mexico to grow. But I grow. But I believe in what I say and what I do. And I think and I hope it's making a difference in people's lives. What has it done for you personally? Obviously, that's the business side of things, but how has that transformed your life and the relationship and that particular save that you had that day? It has transformed me into, it's hard to even say, to to get me to go out and do these different things that I would have never thought. We take opportunities when we can, and, and this was a huge opportunity. And I told myself, maybe I'll be working at a local coffee shop here in a couple of weeks. Who knows what's <laughs> going to happen? But so far, it's been fantastic. I've been you know, a bunch of different countries, I believe all the states in the union, speaking to folk. As a traffic cop, I would have never have imagined 
this would happen. And as you know, doing these types of things, it's very difficult. It is a lot of hard work to come up and be a public speaker, but also to have your own business. But it's so worth it. You got to take the chance and you got to give it your all. Amazing. So, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you spent most of your career patrolling the Golden Gate Bridge and self-admittedly, right, there was really any formal training. So has this training evolved over time as a result of things that have transpired when the world saves like this and just the mere fact that there are four people? And I think we're being a little bit more transparent and open about suicide and mental health. How has that training evolved? Like if I was in the California Highway Patrol today, Would it look different than when you started? It does. Now they're providing crisis intervention team, CIT, CIT training to all the officers, which is a great start. And then when they decide to work on the bridge, which it is unique, there's not another place around where you have this many suicides, especially in the United States. There's training down there for those folks. And then there's uh, negotiator conferences all around in the United States. And you get the opportunity to go to those. It's fantastic. And I like it because I get to now go and tell my story and different things and then listen to these fantastic speakers of what has gone on with them and what they've learned. And then we come back and we share this information with one another. Let's talk about you and that interaction that you had with Kevin many years ago, right? If you don't have training, how did you approach those situations? And especially how did you successfully navigate them in order to get somebody to kind of reverse their course of thinking in that moment? What I learned, and I kind of went on my own deal, I really thought about this and wrote a lot down after each person that I would talk to, and I would ask each person, what did I do that was good, and what did I do that wasn't so good? So I learned off of each person. But mine was a little unique, I think, because when I would walk up to someone, let's say over that pedestrian rail, I would like raise my right hand, and I would ask them, is it okay if I come up and speak with you for a while to get their permission and just use my first name? Hi, I'm Kevin. Not, hi, I'm Sergeant Kevin Richard Briggs, California Highway Patrol. That doesn't matter. It is about them. We need to focus on them. And then to see, they would talk to me, what's been going on in their lives recently, and especially today, what is happening? And then just listen. And the thing is not to try and fix anything or tell them, well, you know what you should have done? They don't want to hear none of that. They want somebody to talk to that's going to listen and validate what they're going through. Do you feel you said you asked them questions afterwards, like what did you do that helped? What didn't you do, et cetera, things like that, or what worked, what didn't work? I mean, when you're in that state and you're an individual over the pedestrian bridge or something, are you really self-aware to really what's going on? Or are you that zoned in that they could actually give you that feedback? Or are they really paying that much close attention that something that's a good takeaway for you? That's a great question. I don't think I've been asked that before. You know what? I think that when they come back, and I always say, when you come back, this is what's going to happen. I think they're still in that crisis mode because it's cold, it's windy, there's a lot of traffic, a lot of noise, and everything going through their head. They're deciding, do I live or die today? So when they come back, I think their answer would might be different if I asked them 24 hours later, Mm -hmm. but I don't follow up with folks. I don't want to be a trigger for them, whether that's sight, smell, whatever that may be. So I just want to get information that I can from them then. And and that's the best that I can do. I definitely don't want to be a trigger later on. Yeah, because I had spoken to Kevin Berthia in the past and he mentioned in that moment, he couldn't even describe you like describe what you look like or give an accurate description because he was so focused and wrapped up in his own angst in that very moment that it was almost like a blur. 
which is what I would imagine things to be. I would think it would be very difficult to be able to elicit that kind of feedback. But it's interesting that you did that and utilized that and helped you with future folks that were in crisis. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter how many people I helped, I'm still learning and I'm still learning today. And I still go to conferences, seminars, talk to a lot of people. What can I have that I can share with others to help them, whether it's a negotiator or whether it's a teacher in the schools or wherever it is? What can we do to help one another and help someone get past a crisis? Right. And I mean, I've heard you share stories about other families who've lost a member to suicide, just simply reach out to you about their own personal circumstances. How has that kind of compassion touched you and impacted your life? Oh, boy, that's a tough one because I'm pretty emotional. So I'll cry with them, whether that we're doing a Zoom or on the phone. Boy, I've been known to cry. And But you know what? It allows people to vent and to talk. And we share things because, of course, yes, I've helped a lot of people, but I've also lost some folks. How can we get past this and what can we talk about together? It's a very much a bonding experience with people. You know, and I'm very blessed that even though it's a terrible topic, that we have this together and they're willing to share with me. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, a lot of props go to those people who share with you. And I also commend you for having these open conversations because I'm a true believer in the fact that the more we speak about this, the more we openly have conversation about it, it will reduce the stigma and hopefully create an environment where people can reach out, ask for help, ask for assistance, hopefully before they get to that bridge or that pedestrian walkway and be able to look out for themselves in advance of that because we're making it a normal conversation that people can have on a regular basis. And I thank you for that. Yes, sir. I agree with you 100% on that. Now, why is suicide so personal to you? Was there a personal connection that you had or was it just simply stemming in from your career and really where you were stationed and how your patrol was set up? It was set up with me working on the bridge. I wondered why people didn't want to work on that bridge so much because that's it. You know, it has right. this very dark side to it. But you meet so many nice people down there also. The vast majority are just trying to have a nice time down there and celebrate life. But also, I lost my grandfather to suicide. I was never able to meet him. He died before I was born. But still, what friends, what family we could have been had he been around? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And what was your grandfather's name? My father's name, Richard Briggs, and his name was Henry. Okay. So Henry was your grandfather who passed before you got the opportunity to meet him. Correct. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing Henry's story with us. I appreciate that. It's a tough one. I wish I would have had a chance to meet him. I really do. Yeah. We have that in my own family. As I mentioned, I'm a suicide survivor. My brother-in-law passed away from suicide and my oldest son was 18 months old when he passed and my younger son never had the opportunity to meet him. We keep his spirit alive by having these conversations and talking about him quite often and making sure that he's still intertwined as part of the family and the fabric of the family for those reasons. So we get it. Well, that's great that you do that. Celebrate the life and the fond memories that you did have. Absolutely. What do you want people to know? What's the message of Pivotal Points in regards to what do you want people to know about suicide prevention? I want them to know, number one, that each and every one of us plays a pivotal role in these crisis situations. And leading up to that, each and every one of us, you don't think, well, I don't have the training. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. If you have empathy and you care, you can do this. 
You really can. You can help someone. It's that simple. It's difficult to sit down with someone and say, hey, I've been seeing these things or hearing these things or I read this. I want to let you know I'm here for you. And to validate what they're going through, a simple statement as, God, that sounds really tough. The different things that you've been going through throughout your life. And then to normalize what they're going through. Anybody that's been going through all that may be thinking about killing themselves. Have you been thinking about suicide? to normalize what someone is going through. Uh, That's a big one. I think that brings up a point. If I'm somebody who thinks somebody may be struggling or a family member, a loved one, are there ways to identify or things we should be looking out for with regard to friends, family, colleagues, in order to identify someone that may need help? And I guess dovetail to that, what can we do to help beyond, you said, asking and listening? Are there other things that we can be doing? Sure. Let's go with, and we go with AFSP, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, but talk, behavior, and mood. So are they talking about killing themselves, or no one will miss me when I'm gone, or being in this unbearable pain? Their behavior, they're starting to say, goodbye, I'll, you know, don't worry about me, I'm fine, or next week everything's going to be great. Well, we're thinking, are they going on vacation, and they're thinking something else. Are they sleeping too much or too little or giving away their possessions? I've found that folks... With regards to behavior, they tend to sleep or they start introducing drugs and alcohol into the system, even a lot more or something, because when they're under the influence or they're sleeping a lot, they're not in that emotional pain. And pain is, that's just tough, really tough to get past. And then their mood. Have they lost interest in things they used to like to do? Are they irritable? We look at talk, behavior, and mood. So if I identify somebody that may be showing signs that there may be a potential issue, or for those that are listening, what could I, if I'm noticing that, do to help somebody that I feel may be exhibiting those signs, if you will? I would say have a conversation with them. And I like to say the first thing is location, list, and listen. You're asking someone to maybe break down if they're really suffering. Be careful where you have this conversation, somewhere where that individual is comfortable. I would say not a coffee shop or somewhere in public because they may break down. Think about if you were suffering, where would you want to have this conversation at? List, tell them what you've seen, what you've heard, you know, what's been going on, and then listen. And I go by 80-20 from the start anyway. 80%, if they're willing to talk, I'm going to listen. 20% is me interjecting things. So I'm not going to learn anything if I'm sitting here gabbing away all the time. Let them talk. Don't interrupt them. Let them go as long as they want. And they're venting and they're giving you information. Well, they're fantastic. So location, list, and listen. Simply by being there can make a world of difference from folks. And then not try to fix things. Especially guys, we're always telling them <laughs> what they should do. You can fix it. You can be like this. Or telling them, you've been through tough times before. You can pass through this. You can make it. You can do this. But just be there. And even if you have to hold your hand, put the arm around them, whatever that may be, if it's something where it gets to the point to where you think they are suicidal and you ask them that question, you know, have you been thinking about suicide? And they say, yes. Yes. What do you do? You go, oh my God, how could you do this with a family? You have so much to live for. Are you crazy? What are you thinking? That's no. exactly what you don't want to do, right? That's yeah, what you don't want to do. Take a step back in yourself. Take a breath. Nobody wants to hear that. That's panic mode. Take a breath. How long have you been thinking about this? Do you have a plan to do this? When are you thinking of this? Did you try anything before? And if you did, what stopped you? And that's what we call a hook in negotiations. Well, I didn't want to hurt my kids or my wife or whatever that may be. Great. We can talk about that more. That is a reason to stay alive. If it looks like it's inevitable, 
and they say, don't worry about me tomorrow. Everything's going to be great. Boy, don't hesitate any qualms about calling 911 and getting some help there. Even before going into this, if you think it might go this way, we have the 1-800-273-TALK line to get some information. You can go online and find a lot of information on there simply by letting people know, you know what? You do not have to go through this alone. I'm here for you. You can call me 24 hours a day. If I can't pick up the phone right then, I'll get to it as soon as I can. I want to let you know I'm in your corner. I think that's all great advice and great things to look for. And I think, unfortunately, we have a tendency to get wrapped up in our day-to-day, right? Everybody's busy. Everybody's running around, doing their own thing. And I think sometimes we, as fellow human beings, don't take the opportunity to be observant and look at those around us to see if they may be struggling and challenging to even get to that conversation, right? We have a tendency not to be observant of those people around us. So you were in an environment, obviously, where it was pretty obvious if somebody was distraught because they were putting themselves in a very precarious position. Are there ways that you would suggest just people in general allow themselves to be more aware to their surroundings? So they could maybe help better identify situations where somebody might be feeling depressed or down, where you would want to initiate a conversation like that? Yes. I think we all need to slow down a little bit. Whether we're chasing the buck, losing weight, whatever we are, we seem to be in a hurry these days. Slow down a little bit. Try to get some coffee with someone. Take a little bit of time off. It's tough. I know. Different. But if you start to see or if you see someone's behavior has changed, doesn't necessarily mean they're suicidal, but at least check and see, hey, how you doing? No, how you really doing? Don't just walk by them. How are you? Sit and chat a few minutes to see. We can make a big difference in folks just by taking a few minutes out of our time to check on them. And they'll appreciate it. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Now, one of the things that you've said during our conversation today, and I know is very important to you, and actually our listeners can't see this, obviously, but I see it on your plaque behind you for Pivotal Point. It's listen to understand, which I think is a very, very poignant phrase, right? A lot of times we're listening for our own agendas. We're listening for certain things, certain cues. We may not be listening to understand. And I think that's such a powerful line. Can you explain to those listening why this is so powerful, especially to somebody who's in a bad state, who may be suicidal? Why is it so important and powerful? You know what? For me, this is twofold. It's about the other person listening to understand. They might be saying one thing, but what are their eyes saying? What are their manners saying? So listen to understand what is really going on with them. But the other part of this is so many of us are give, 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 give. We don't take the time to recognize what's going on with us. So that listen to understand, I want you to listen to yourself understand what are you going through? What is going on with you? And we see this with mental health professionals, first responders a lot is they give, give, give all the time, but they don't see that their life is going downhill. So listen to understand, try to understand what's going on with an individual and not just try to fix it, but listen to yourself also. So really, it's twofold. You're listening to understand the other person and listening for your own well-being at the same time. You're really serving two goals there if you're listening to understand rather than just listening to talk or some other listen to whatever. 
Absolutely. It gets pretty deep, but that's what it's about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this really had an impact on you in terms of your career trajectory up until you being in this environment. I mean, was the Kevin Berthia, was that save in particular really the impetus for this major change? Or was it because of the environment you had been in? You, you were looking for a way to kind of leave that profession a little bit earlier and it kind of led you to where you are today. Was it just that one event or a culmination of years of what you were doing and where you were doing it? I think that's the event with Kevin Berthia that pushed it over the edge that drew a lot of attention. I had done some things with the press before, but nothing that gathered the attention as that photograph and then that story. So that is the one that really pushed it over. I had never thought of leaving the Hyper Patrol such an early age of just 50 and coming out and doing this. Me traveling around doing presentations in front of audiences. I mean, it's a laugh. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. But hey, you push yourself. You take these opportunities as they're presented and you work hard. Amazing. So what are some things, if I'm just listening and either I'm struggling or know somebody who's struggling, what are some things that I can do or encourage others to do to help my mental health? Are there some easy things that we can give our listeners from a takeaway perspective that they can implement today, like immediately and help their own mental health, if you will? Sure. We can do things like meditation. Even though I was trained in transcendental meditation, that's something that you can look into. But something right now, just to turn off everything and sit quietly for a while. That's hard to do because we're so used to, I got to look at my phone. I got the computer. I got all these things, all this noise around us. Take some time to really relax. Hear the birds outside or something. Just take some time for you. Listen to some mellow music that calms you down. Take a walk outside. Get out of that house, get out of that environment, leave your phone at home and just get out and enjoy some things. And it's tough for all of us. We want to stay connected. We don't want to miss that one phone call, whatever that may be, whatever you're doing, you're following all sorts of social media. I think we all need to tone down some. Take a look inside. You know, how are you really doing? And we think, God, I got all these different things. It's negative, 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 negative. What can you do to be better? You can call the 1-800-273-TALK line. See about assistance. You can go online and find some cool stuff. Don't be afraid to seek out therapy. I didn't do this for decades, and it hurt me a lot. I found myself going to work and functioning fine. But at home, many days, I wouldn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to wash my clothes, walk the dog, see my boys. I didn't want to do anything. Don't be afraid to go out and seek some help. I think that's a big one. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I'm sitting here laughing as you're talking about the cutting down distractions because I just had somebody get me, and this is not an advertisement for it. I'm not getting compensated for this, but somebody just got me as a gift this thing called a Remarkable 2, which is a notebook that's like an electronic notepad where you can handwrite notes and whatnot. And you could also read documents. There's a lot of different applications to it. But the interesting thing was their marketing pitch for it, which I didn't know. I knew nothing about it in advance, but when I was reading through the manual, the marketing pitch is it's not connected to the internet. There are no notifications. There's no social media. So when you just want to step away and write something or concentrate on something, this is the tool to use for events like that. And I thought it was a very interesting marketing tool in order to say, hey, if you want to concentrate on something, because we all have iPads and iPhones and we could read things and write things and put notes, 
inherently, I think to your point, is we'll get interrupted with a notification or interrupted by an email popping in and that sound going off. And then we get distracted, whereas this tool just allows you to do what you need to do with none of those distractions, which I thought was a very interesting marketing ploy, if you will, but at the same time, very effective and something I'm going to start implementing. And now that I have one and trying to use it and try to do that stuff, not distracted. I think that is fantastic. So you take that out, you go sit on a bench for a half an hour, an hour, and you draw what's in front of you. Whether you can draw or not, nobody else is <laughs> going to see it unless you want to show them. That's fantastic. You're going to see your heart rate go down, which is what we need. You know, so many of us, including me, I take a lot of medication. I had three stents in my heart, had cancer as a kid, all these things, a lot of meds. If we can get our heart rates and our blood pressure lower, boy, that's what we're looking for. Sounds like that might really help. Yeah, well, it was invented by a guy from Norway, so they have a little bit different lifestyle than we have here in the U.S., so I think that might have something to do with it as well. But yeah, I'll let you know maybe on a future episode how I'm making out with it. I literally just got it the other day. So listen, thank you for sharing. I want to know, so what's up next for Kevin Briggs? What's the next big thing you have on the horizon coming down the pike? I love doing presentations. I work at my local schools here where I live uh, when I'm not traveling. Kevin Berthea and I were recently asked if we'd like to share our story in a feature film. So we're looking at that. I really enjoy working with Kev when we get the opportunity to present together. So those types of things. I'm working on some workbooks for specific groups with a couple of mental health professionals, construction workers, first responders, different things. So I'm trying to keep my plate full. It sounds like you're doing a fine job doing that. That's for sure. So Kevin, we end every show with asking each of our guests the same question. And this plays right into what we just kind of discussed, which is this is the Midland Money Mindset. And we talk a lot about mindset. Want to talk about joy. That's important. What did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Got out of bed, drank a couple glasses of water, 30 minutes of aerobics, another 30 minutes of transcendental meditation, and we're ready to roll. There you go. How long have you been practicing TM, if you don't mind me asking? I'm going to say six years now. Yeah. Did you take to it right away? It took some time for me to want to go and do this because I'm this type A conservative guy, always running, always upbeat. When I had these stents put in my heart, I really had to slow things down. And, you know, I'm on this medication, but still, I got to do these things to slow myself down or I'm not going to be here. They recommended something along those, yeah, yoga, meditation. I tried yoga. I only took one class. It wasn't for me. (laughs) I didn't give it a good shot, but I did a lot of research on transcendental meditation. And I went into this going, all right, I'm going to let my mind just go free and not judge anything and just go through this class. It was phenomenal. It was really cool. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Amazing. I'll have to give it a try. I've tried to do meditation here and there, and I just can't get to that point. But people have told me it doesn't have to be like complete quiet, complete mind shut off. You got to just kind of work in that direction and eventually you'll get there. I'll have to give it another shot for sure. Absolutely. And it's like that. You might have a busy time, you know, that's going through, but you're sitting quiet, you're hearing birds, you're hearing traffic, whatever else. So what? You're taking the time for you. There you go. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we're going to have all of your contact information in the show notes. But if people want to find you quickly, want to learn more about your story and more about pivotal points, what's the best and the fastest way for them to do that? So they can just go to my website, www.pivotal-points.com. 
Great. We'll have all of your contact information in the show notes as well. It's been a pleasure. I thank you for taking out your precious time for and sharing with us and our listeners and make it a great day. Thank you, sir. Absolute pleasure. I want to thank Kevin Briggs for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Kevin took his role as a California Highway Patrol Sergeant to another level by helping so many at a time they needed it most. His compassion and willingness to understand earned him the nickname Guardian of the Golden Gate. In retirement, Kevin has continued his work in saving lives through educating people about mental health and how they can help others too. What a rewarding career he has had. Kevin and Pivotal Points can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.